0: everybody uh well this is luke with the star wars historians and uh david got mad at me because i didn't do a proper intro because i wanted to you know shake things up i wanted to have fun but no he he decided that we needed to record a separate thing so yeah so david why don't you talk so that they know your voice
1: i hate you like I, like, I love being a Star Wars historian <laughs> with you.
0: Okay, thanks for that addition, David. So, this episode, we're going to be talking about The Great Jedi, and uh, we're going to have a bit of a, possibly a harsh cut here, but uh, yeah, we'll just get right into that. Please enjoy. sorry. I should have just let you do that, and then yeah. I would have, because I can't be a I can't... David, I can't be an orchestra all by myself.
1: No, you, you can't. That's not and, possible.
0: And I shouldn't have expected that I would have been able to. I should have relied on you, and I'm sorry. It's okay. You know, sometimes I think we all just need to take a second to look at our life and just realize that we can't make it on our own. Anyway... Today's episode, we're going to be talking about a theoretical Star Wars philosophy. Um, And I say theoretical because in the established canon, there is no direct example of this force philosophy. There is no direct example of this force philosophy. But we see hints of it in uh, a lot of the material, especially in Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, And it is the the Grey Jedi philosophy. It's not established like the Jedi Order, and it's not something that's been around like the Sith Code. Um, But we're going to be talking about uh, the Grey Jedi Code, which is a little bit different. Because since it's not established in the canon, um, some fans who are really all about this in the middle code have made a few different codes. Not all of them are good, but we're going to be looking at two of the good ones uh, during this episode um, and there's no other way to do it but to just get into it so David do you want to start reading one of them
1: yeah let's go ahead it, it, it well here's the thing I think is more important for us to kind of establish also um, Luke you said this on the previous podcast as we closed that episode um, that you think that the gray Jedi are kind of overhyped. You know, they're overrated in terms of how much people really enjoy them, uh, and he, and we were even looking at a couple of different gray Jedi codes that they were out there um, that were a little bit ridiculous. And so we've uh, Luke has gone through uh, the hard, painstaking work <laughs> of. Which is just going online, but still, that com- I commend you. Google is a dangerous place. And he went and he found two gray Jedi codes that we're going to be going through. So Luke, you can actually get us started uh, wow. on going through one of them. I can, I can start? Yeah. Oh my gosh, okay.
0: Um, so just keep in mind that uh, neither of these are perfect, but I think this one's probably the better of the two. And it goes like this. There is no light without the dark. Through passion, I gain focus. Through knowledge, I gain power. Through serenity, I gain strength. Through victory, I gain harmony. There is only the force. And so, um, I don't expect y'all to have the other codes memorized uh, from the other episodes because I don't have them memorized. Uh, But basically what we're seeing in in this form of a Grey Jedi Code is uh, some of it is new, but uh, for the most part, it's a blending of the Jedi Code and the Sith Code. For example, uh, it uses a lot of the same terminology like passion, knowledge, power, serenity, strength, victory, and harmony. And uh, it's general... Uh, kind of setup is the same as the Sith code. Starts off with a kind of statement about the world, and then uh, different kind of statements that begin with through. So through something, I get something. Through something, I get something. Just like the Sith code. Um, And so this one is probably your your perfect blending of the codes. Uh, Whereas... In the Jedi code, there's no ignorance, there is knowledge. In this code, uh, through knowledge, you gain power. And so you, you're you able... We talked last episode about how, uh, how the Sith code might kind of lead you in the path of ignorance, or we might have talked about that in the Jedi one. Uh, but it's clear that the Grey Jedis are focused on both. They are very much about... The knowledge and they're also about gaining power. Uh, through serenity I gain strength um, versus uh, through passion I gain strength. Uh, because the Jedi set code says there is no passion, there is serenity. And so both are true and then through victory I gain harmony uh, versus through power I gain victory or oh, sorry no uh, versus through victory, my chains are broken, uh, and there is no chaos, there is harmony. So it's very much on that edge of too violent for the Jedi code, uh, but too kind of too peaceful for the Sith. And so I think it, it walks that barrier very well.
1: And for me, I think what's beautiful, about this uh, gray jedi code um, is the blending of the two codes together Um, we really didn't talk about in detail how we like let's say that we were jedis which i think is an amazing dream and we would all love to be in that world but in saying that, we never really talked about how personally we could live in terms of being with the Jedi Order or even being in the Sith. Um, but in my mind, the way that this code works is that this gives us an opportunity to see in future films, which is foreshadow- foreshadowing of our next series, um, that to me, what this code shows is that you had Jedi who struggled with the jedi code you had sith who struggled with the way that the sith operated in their code and it is the blending of these two people maybe even coming together and saying how can we pursue um, something that is better something that is equal something that allows us to tap into both sides of the force maybe a tad or not even both sides of the force but both philosophies mixing them together bringing the best of two worlds they could possibly say Um, in saying that, what, what issues, I guess, would you, do you have, I guess, as we go into the next code? Um, but before we go into that, do what issues do you have particularly with this code through this code? I find it
0: very much because it's so evenly balanced between the light and the dark. I think that this code more leads into one of the primary problems that we see in people who follow the gray path, which is that uh, this code really allows for apathy to to kind of sit in, yeah, uh, for for the Jedi to not really care, um, because there's there's nothing light that doesn't have darkness in it, and it's through. The Jedi, So it says that the Jedi are wrong, and it says that the Sith are wrong. So it can lead to people suffering and the, the people of the Grey Jedi Code not moving in uh, to, to assist, which is actually one of the main failures of the Jedi in general.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would agree with that. Um, or even pushing the boundaries of let's say that a war breaks out. Obviously, between the Jedi and the Sith, this gives people an opportunity to not participate, to say that they're on, just in the middle, on the fence, and they're happy being on the fence. Um, when we talk about the greater good of the entire galaxy, where do you find yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, if you believe that you know there is, there is no light without the dark. However, what if darkness is winning? Do you then assist the light in order to bring it into balance? And or what if the light, you know, is is victorious? You know, the Jedi are victorious and they're keeping the peace. Does that mean that you go and do things that Sith would do in order to balance that out? Yeah.
0: Um
1: and and you saying you saying that B
0: word is triggering me a little bit uh because I Mm -hmm. think – now that I think about it, I think that's the reason why so many people are fond of the great Jedi is because they view view balance as balance between light and dark Mm -hmm. um, and not the dark being inherently imbalanced versus the light being balanced. But we'll we'll get into that a little bit more later on. But – so yeah. So not affording – uh, or this gray Jedi code kind of affords the opportunity to not act, which is a little bit why, which is why I include this second code, even though I think overall the second code isn't as good. It does include a very important part that I think uh, really uh, shows what a good gray Jedi can be. And so the second gray code goes like this. There is no dark side, nor a light side. There is only the force. I will do what I must to keep the balance. There is no good without evil, but evil must not be allowed to flourish. There is passion, yet peace. There is serenity, yet emotion. There is chaos, yet order. And so, this code is uh, different in a couple of different ways. Uh, For one, it's kind of it's flipped the direction of what the code uh it's flipped the direction of when the code is talking about the force In the jedi code and the sith code the first time that you mention the force it's at the end of the code in this code it's at the beginning uh there is no dark side there is a nor a light side there is only the force Um, and then on the bottom end of the code Is where you have your blending of the sith code and the jedi code again listen for those keywords Uh, and and this time rather than following the sith format through blank i gain blank uh, this one is saying there is blank comma yet blank just like the jedi code is so and this one again it's there is passion which is dark side yet peace which is jedi Or light side. There is serenity, which is light side, yet emotion. There is chaos, yet order. In other words, it's more focused on how the two things that would be opposite on the Sith and the Jedi Code uh, are both accurate. They're both true, and they're both how this particular gray Jedi uses the Force. But it differs from the other one uh, by... This in-between sentence that happens right before there, where it says, there is no good without evil, which is like the other code, there is no light without dark. But then it adds this uh, qualifier onto it, but evil must not be allowed to flourish. Which is what we see in the best of the Grey Jedi, is that um, even if they're not all the way on the Jedi boat, um, they're not going to sit by and let a evil Sith Lord take over the world.
1: Yeah. And here's another thing that I, I really love the co- about this code specifically. And I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and dive to the end. Uh, the reason why I like this code is because it offers that thing of just like, listen, you know, it, it makes the code more applicable to your nature. Mm-hmm. just as a specimen or as a species or as a human, whatever. Um, it gives the ability to, to recognize, hey, I have flaws, but this is what can come out of it. If I dedicate myself to making it so, especially when you're talking about, you know, there is uh, no good without evil, but evil cannot be allowed to flourish. That kind of idea says, listen, I recognize that there is wrong in the galaxy. I understand that there is evil. That is natural. However, it is my responsibility to make sure that that doesn't flourish. That while there is chaos, whether in the galaxy or in my life, there must be order established in spite of those chaos situations or chaotic situations. right. And so I feel like this code, um, I feel like I like this one better than the first one. See, the only I,
0: I like this the like the bottom two-thirds of the code better. The, the, the thing that I don't like about this code is that it says there is no dark side nor a light side. There's only the force. Mm -hmm. I'm very much a proponent of the belief that, that both of those things are true. Now, I think if we were to break it down a little bit more and get more specific, if we were to say that there are dark side powers or light side powers, I would be more hesitant to say uh, that there is that distinction Uh, because in the old Canon, there's a Jedi uh in the new jedi order which takes place after episode six and his name was kyle katarn and his m- kind of main lesson that he learned and then began teaching the new jedi is that uh it's not about these different manifestations of the force but how you use them that determines whether it's dark side or light side however that that's still saying that there is a dark side and a light side it's just saying that the way that you use it doesn't determine what side it is. Or rather... Yeah. So, you could use lightning and it not be dark side. And actually, in the old canon, some Jedi did use lightning in the light side. But
1: Yeah. I think that's a beautiful picture of what you just showed. Because I'm actually really happy that we're talking about Kyle Katarn in this yeah, podcast. He's great. Um, I, so, they made... Uh, Canon, the Cal the Canon Cal uh which makes me happy. But I wish that they would actually have allowed for Cal to, you know, be presented in the Skywalker Saga. Yeah. Um, but the idea of you know, it's how you use your Force abilities that determine whether you seek the light side or the dark side. I honestly, honestly, I think that what also bothers me about the first part of the code is the fact that if there is no dark side and no light side, then any, everything that we've, that we've learned in the original trilogy is not true. Right. Yeah. It is essential that there is a dark side. There is a light side. Yeah. Um, and and even the
0: code later on acknowledges that there's good and evil which are two distinct things. Mm-hmm. Um I think uh, at end of the day this the issue probably has to do with semantics but yeah yeah it, the thing is that it doesn't say there is no dark side powers or light side powers it just says there is no dark side mm-hmm. which right I, which isn't accurate I don't think
1: yeah, I don't believe so either. But and here's the, I guess the comforting thought that I can give in terms of these two codes, none of them are canon. Yeah, that's true. And so, if we wanted to, we could exclude that first part of the code and just start it at wherever we wanted to start it at. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you want to? Do you want to hear a third uh, gray Jedi code? sure uh this is a uh this is titled the real gray jedi code
1: oh no
0: <laughs> and it says morality is a fiction there's only indifference through anger i gain dark side powers through loopholes i keep light side powers through edginess my mediocrity is glossed over the force makes me special which uh
1: i feel like that is uh disney star Wars's gray jedi code <laughs> I hope not. Uh I mean I think I think that is
0: Yeah, I think I think a lot of the desire for Grey Jedi kind of awareness and Grey Jedi movement and the new in Disney Star Wars is some form of edginess.
1: But Actually, you know what it actually is, if I can be honest with you? I think what it actually is is just how you play Knights of the Old Republic or Star Wars The Old Republic. You find loopholes not necessarily to keep your light side points. Yeah. And, kind of, and then any any bad choices that you make, you d- you do get dark side points. Yeah. Um, And so I don't believe it's wrong. I think it's just a formula of how to be a Grey Jedi in these video games. <laughs> right. Do you want at this point to start going forward with characters that have been personified i guess as gray jedi and how they've seemed to operate within this idea with this philosophy
0: yeah um and i think that if we're going to start that out um, then i want to really talk about uh, my favorite gray jedi uh, so that way all the people who have heard me rag on gray jedi this far can uh i don't know
1: find a redeeming quality in you
0: yeah find a redeeming quality in me so in the knights of the old republic series there is a older jedi named Jolie bindo who in a lot of ways is actually the inspiration for starting this podcast uh which there's a delicious quote from him about uh Historians that put together the pieces after these great uh, crises happen, Um, but we'll probably touch on that later. Mm
1: -hmm. In
0: any case, uh, Jolie Bindo began as a Jedi, but fell in love and fell in love with a woman who would uh, eventually turn to the dark side and betray him. And after this betrayal, uh, Jolie couldn't find his place with the Jedi Order anymore since the Jedi were so willing to take him back even after his kind of great failure. And so, uh, displeased with what he found in the Jedi Order, he went into exile. And uh, going to Kashyyyk and going to the, the bottom level of the forest where only monsters and Wookiees who are trying to prove themselves go, he he made his home in the wilderness. And it wasn't until a... A hero who you you eventually find out is Revan. Sorry for the spoiler, but it's been like
1: it's been almost twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: In any case, uh, until he comes along, until this hero comes along, he that's where Jolie is there is set up, but he has the he has the perspective. Um, of the second code that we talked about, that uh, evil must not be allowed to flourish. And so while he has kind of a more uh, steady head on his shoulders about the whole scenario, he he doesn't think that this crisis that they're in right now is the worst crisis that the galaxy has ever seen or that the Jedi and the Republic are so much better than uh, Malak and the Sith. But he identifies that Malak and the Sith have to be stopped. And so he, he goes and he helps in whatever way he can. And he really... If, if you come to like the Grey Jedi kind of way of life through him, then I totally agree and I totally get it. Uh, Jolie Bindo is just a, a hoot in character and really kind of in the star wars kind of philosophy idea a a person to look up to but
1: yeah and i absolutely agree with everything you said um i'm excited about what disney is doing in terms of the high republic era hopefully through this new era that we're going into figures such as revan Jolie bendo will be officially made canon Mm -hmm. Because I agree with you. I think Jolie Bindo is a beautiful example of what the ideal Grey Jedi would be. Um, He found flaws and fallacies within himself, within the Jedi Order. He took himself out of the equation for a little bit to rediscover, to wait until he was truly needed and put himself back into the narrative in the galactic story um, of Revan and him redeeming himself and saving the Republic, even though ultimately, spoilers, I mean, uh, sorry, I mean, it's been almost 20 years, but when the Jedi ultimately fell again, this whole idea of a gray Jedi comes back into play, I think, a little bit. Um, but ben- Bendo does an amazing job in teaching Revan why he believes what he believes, um, yeah.
0: and 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 you can you can find clips of Jolie talking about his life and what he thinks about the Jedi on YouTube. But <laughs> in general, uh, think that he's he's kind of he's a more grounded character than probably anybody else that you meet in the game, and his kind of main thing is he. I don't know. From my perspective, he more or less agrees with the Jedi code, but adds love to it and adds like romantic love to it and allows that to be a a good and beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, moving on into other characters who I guess have this kind of gray Jedi philosophy, um, let's talk about Bindu. Yes
0: who who odds are is probably uh was inspired by Bindo because i mean you don't have two characters of gray philosophy with names that sound that similar without some level of influence being there but uh yeah tell me about him
1: yeah so bendu is someone who's found you know in the rebel stronghold that you know ezra kanan and the whole crew That they're placed at before it's destroyed. Um, In the Rebels TV show. Right, right. And he's a character who helps Kanan be, be able to see through the Force, I guess. This is after Maul blinds Kanan and Kanan no longer has his eyesight. And he's struggling to find the peace within himself. The ability to rely on the Force completely. There is fear there that resides in him and Bendu helps him to navigate through that fear to no longer be afraid and to ultimately, I think, be a better Jedi than he ever was when he had his eyesight. Um, and so in that way, he was able to help a lot. Um, ultimately, when their rebel base was in, invaded and by uh, Admiral Thrawn and the Empire. Um, there. And maybe even possibly before that. The idea in terms of when you're talking about the differences between Jolie Bendo and Bendu. Is the fact that when it came time to do something. Bendu. Was not for it. He. Was angry at the possibility of getting involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says, I'm not, I'm not with that. Eventually he does at the end. And he, he ultimately destroys the rebel base in order to do so in order to save and to save the rebels and to save the Alliance into that form by destroying everything. And ultimately using his amazing force abilities to do so. Um, but this is where the differences between um, Bindo and Bindu is. Um, while I may understand why some people may have problems with the way Bindu went about things, I think ultimately he was redeemed a little bit by the last actions that we see from him. Yeah,
0: and so we kind of have talked about the uh, I, what I th- what I envision are the two extremes within the the grey Jedi philosophy, which is ironic because they're supposed to be in the middle. Um but now uh, I'm gonna talk about well we're both gonna talk about um someone that I think is kind of in between uh Bendo and Ben D. <laughs> that's funny. Um <laughs> and yeah. and that's ah- Ahsoka Sokotano, who interestingly there's there's a few there's a lot of the things to unpack from the way that Ahsoka kind of carries herself but she just doesn't call herself just a Jedi like she doesn't call herself a At great all. Jedi but she doesn't call her like self any force of any form of force user although she very clearly does still use the force um, or, or or at least she starts using the force again at the end at the new episodes of the last uh, season of Clone Wars
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, she might not have used them before that moment, but afterwards I guess we can assume that she she uses them a decent amount in her role as fulcrum and in her role of kind of stabilizing Mandalore
1: yeah. Um. Ahsoka Tano, I think just in general, and we can talk more if we ever do like a character retrospective series, yeah. um, but Ahsoka Tano is an interesting character. I'm not one of those people who hate on her. I think she's interesting. Um, however, what I do have a problem with, and you very well will agree with me, Luke, How she talked to my boy, Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's true. She was real rude. And it's
0: just unnecessary.
1: And while I do agree with a lot of things that Ahsoka was feeling in the times before she talked to Obi-Wan. I think there was times where she took it too far. And was very impatient with the process. That she had to come to the realization. Hey, not everyone thinks like you. Yeah. Nor should anybody think the exact same way about a certain... um, about this certain idea of who the Jedi were and what their main role was. Um, But anyway, going away from that, I think Ahsoka, what she does is that she shows the the true ability of not relying on the Jedi to be good. Mm Um. She's able to be on the right side, be on the good side without pledging allegiance to a code, to an order, Mm -hmm. but more than anything, to people.
0: Yeah. And I think what we see is that, I don't know, from my point of view, Ahsoka didn't have anything, any disagreements with what the jedi believe she really just had disagreements with how the jedi treated her but but then we but then i think over time we see that some change in what she believes about the force has come because you have her showdown with darth vader and rebels and she says that uh she'll avenge the death of anakin skywalker and vader says the jedi don't uh take revenge and she said i'm no jedi
1: yeah and i guess my point of view in terms of what of terms of the issues that ahsoka had with um the jedi order itself i think it would definitely was started by the idea of what happened to her um but i even think that her spending time in the underworld, let her see what those people believed of the Jedi because of their the fact that they were not never involved. That's true That's with helping those people, um, which I think drives her a lot in the rest of Clone Wars and even to you know rebels of her yeah. saying when Vader says, revenge is not the Jedi way. And she says, I am no Jedi because I'm here to help you. Because she eventually tries to help Vader uh, when he when she hears Anakin mm-hmm. when his mask has been cut open a little bit. Um, and I think there was a beautiful thing that I even saw, and like, sorry for going a little bit off topic, but no, just one of the things that I really enjoyed about fans getting involved with projects is in terms of they they showed that scene um, of Ahsoka hearing Anakin. Um, and they took the eyes of, of Vader. And when he says Ahsoka, his eyes are blue. Yeah. And then as he says, Right before he says, then you will die, when she says, I won't leave you, not again, his eyes go back to yellow. In that split second, you see Anakin come back. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka, in the way that she operates as a gray Jedi, even though she's not. Um, but in this philosophy, what she does is that she's driven by making sure evil doesn't flourish mm-hmm. in anyone. Uh And so I think that's why she's an interesting character. When we talk about this philosophy, we talk about this code. Just Ahsoka Tano is just an interesting character just in general.
0: Yeah. And I hope for all of y'all who are listening that you've enjoyed these last few episodes where you've kind of talked about uh, these different codes and stuff. Um, Kind of where I am with – after looking at all these codes and after – considering the Grey Jedi and stuff. My main line of thought is that the Jedi are still better from my perspective, but the Grey Jedi are necessary for the causes of reform and for the causes of kind of like a check on the power and the check on the, uh, the thinking of the Jedi. So the So, in other words, kind of, everybody should be a, a Jedi, everybody should seek to walk the light side path, but kind of these Grey Jedi mystics are necessary, which is actually kind of what we see in, like, Qui-Gon Jinn. I think if he had gone to live for longer, he would have kind of served as that role even more, but...
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I think... Anytime time that Qui-Gon Jinn comes in a conversation, it's a great thing. Because I think that if he was able to live longer, you would have seen one of two things. I think, one, you would have seen him push for a Jedi reform. Um, I think he would be a leader in that. saying Because I think he was studying with the wills. If you know who those are, those are found in, I, I believe, in season six of the Clone Wars. It's um, it's when Yoda goes and he tries to discover them. He spends time with them. Well, Qui-Gon was doing the same thing right before his death. I think if he would have done and gone through that, I think he would have been able to do what Yoda didn't do. And that was cause for a, a change in the Jedi Order and in, in means of reform. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal belief is... Before, before you said that, um, I was more leaning towards the Grey Jedi. But if you're talking about in terms of using the Grey Jedi Code as a means of reforming who the Jedi are, I would have to agree with you. I think that is the best that you could come up with. Because while the Jedi Code offers the best possible ways of serving the galaxy... I think what the Grey Jedi Code could do is allow you to still have your humanity Mm -hmm. in doing that. And so this is going to conclude the philosophy series with the Star Wars historians here on the Gazebo Effect podcast. In saying that, what is coming next? I'm very excited about nothing. yeah no oh. <laughs> no we're, we're still doing stuff yeah and so here's what we're gonna do uh as we've record at the time that we're recording this podcast um there have been rumors mm-hmm. of donald glover reprising his role as lando calrissian uh on disney plus with his own series um which would got be awesome yeah it would be amazing and this had me and luke um or Luke and I talking about what can we possibly see what are the expectations um and honestly we shouldn't have them because they're creating their own stories and we should be fine with whatever we get but um it's fun to imagine it is fun to imagine which is what we're going to do with this next uh series do we have a name for it Luke uh not that I
0: remember off the top of my head I think um, we had something about Writing Room.
1: Yeah, actually, that's perfect. Let's call it that. It's going to be the Writing Room series because what we're going to do is that we're going to explore different kinds of ideas of movies, TV series, maybe video games if we wanted to, yeah. of, of Star Wars and have us being able to kind of play that and imagine that with you. Um, so it's like we're going to be in the writing room and saying, OK, you have a trilogy and it's set in the High Republic era. It's set in a specific time. Uh, what would you like to see? Where where could it possibly go? What are the stories that you would create? We're going to do that here. We're going to imagine together. I'm really excited about yeah. this series and what it, it's going to be.
0: And probably really what, what we'll see is we're, we're going to do this writing room series for a few weeks at least. Um, but I don't, I think it's going to be one of those series that never really goes away. We might just do something else for like a few weeks, but then we'll, because there's always new Star Wars information coming up or new ideas that David and I are having about what could be done in star Wars. Um, you might find quite a few writing room episodes in the future.
1: That's right. And so, uh, for Luke, I'm David. This has been the Star Wars Historians here on the Gazebo Effect podcast. And always, may the Force be with you.
0: May the Swords be with you. world! what a world, what a world.
1: It's from Spaceballs. I got that. Okay.